Can you smell it? There's a life force in here tonight. I see potential. Probably know my father, Tony Perkis Sr., the lighting fixture king. All the lights you'll see around this camp have been donated by him. But I'm gonna do old dad one better. I'm not gonna give you a light. I'm gonna show you the light. Attention campers, tonight's lecture is liposuction, option or obsession. Welcome to Bad Movie Brunch with me, Luke, here in Chicago. And me, Katie, here in Los Angeles. Cool, cool, cool. Katie, so I gotta ask, Starbucks or Dunkin' Coffee? Uh, well, right now I'd have to go with Duncan, considering okay. all of these Starbucks controversies <laughs> that keep popping up. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, I, I didn't, well, controversy aside, I'm talking on pure, <laughs> pure flavor here. Yeah. Oh, I don't drink coffee. Jesus. All right. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I hate Duncan, to feel the banter. Duncan forever. Um, don't worry. I'm double fisting Duncan and Diet Coke. Just so you know. Oh, just, man, yeah, after yeah, my yeah. own heart. I'm here with yeah. the uh, um, zesty blood orange, the uh, new Diet Coke flavor. Easily the most popular of the Diet Coke flavors, I would say. time. I like the bite. Katie, mm. what are we talking about this week? This week we're talking about the 1995 Disney m classic, I would say, Heavyweights. Classic movie. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's a it's a classic to me. Um, I remember I really loved this movie in the 90s, uh, like a lot. It was kind of like a staple for me. Uh, I came across it on Disney Channel. They used to like re-air this movie uh, in the mid to late '90s, and I, I would I would even say probably into the early 2000s. And it was always like a super special treat when it would show up on Disney Channel, especially because there's like some like dams and like other weird cuss words in there that like yeah. stayed in on TV and stuff. Had you had you seen it before this? You know what? I uh, I didn't see this movie until way later, and I, the uh, I I remember seeing like a clip of it when I was like way older, like in undergrad. And I was like, that's weird that Ben Stiller played the exact same character here as he does in Dodgeball. And that's like all I remember from it. But I never watched the whole thing until you and Marissa, friend of the pod, uh, were discussing it in graduate school. I was like, oh no, I've never actually sat through this whole movie before. Oh, yeah. And I watched it and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. And I was excited to, I was actually really surprised that you picked this for bad movie brunch because I think that this is a legitimately good movie. Well, did you see? I I, I picked it um, partly because I thought our friend of the pod and friend in real life, Marissa Lesman, was going to guest on it. I thought she'd have a lot to say, <laughs> um, but it's okay. We love her. <laughs> Life happens. And uh, I also, if we're going on sort of the Rotten Tomato basis, we've been on. Uh, yes. It holds a very low score. Uh, it holds a twenty nine percent. Right. Um, the tomato meter so that's i mean that's pretty bottom of the barrel so far on the show isn't it like isn't that it's not our lowest but no yeah. no no. i think victor frankenstein is still the heavyweight champion on that one yeah i love it uh, but it, it also holds an audience score of 77 percent so the way i didn't see that it, yeah so like the way that it's been described is that it's like a cult classic and that people have kind of come to appreciate it way after it came out because a lot of tomato meter scores are like exactly when it comes out. And that was based on, I think, like seven ratings. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I shouldn't have picked it then. Okay. It's a great movie. I'm glad we picked it. I'm glad we picked it. Old contradictory Groat Singer over there. I'm sorry. 
no, I mean, I just, I, I liked it. I always liked it as a kid. Like something about it felt super uh, edgy. Um, it felt funny. It felt cool. It felt different, especially for a lot of things we were getting uh, at the time, um, especially for a husky kid like me who uh, then grew into a husky adult. Uh, it was good for uh, me to have some, you know, representation on screen um, because I think that how often do you get in a movie where uh, even an ensemble cast where, uh, you know, in Hollywood, the whole cast is, you know, fat kids, <laughs> you know what I mean? So as a fat kid, I was like rad. And as a white male, I need more representation on film. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, no, go ahead. It, it's it's really interesting in how it presents body image, especially now that we're going through this kind of whole political sphere of the um, body positivity movement, because yeah, yeah. the way that this movie has been structured, I think is maybe the best way you could do it. And that there, Jerry isn't, who's the main character, isn't so ashamed of his body image, it's his father who's like, you need to lose the weight, and then he's sent to fat camp, and he doesn't want to go, and because he doesn't want to, he feels like he's going to be humiliated. But of course, what he finds when he gets there is a whole cohort of other people, and he's not the fat kid because, as Roy, played by Keenan Thompson, says, everybody's the fat kid. And he kind of finds his community, but they all kind of, and, and while that's all nice and fun, they do kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, make some not so healthy choices with like uh, smuggling in some food and all stuff like that. And they get this kind of insane counselor who tries to, again, shame them even further, but, and they, they fight back out of just like their own kind of like otherness. But what they eventually begin to learn is that there are healthy ways to deal with weight and you don't necessarily have to go the insane Tony Perkis route and you don't have to completely binge eat. You can just like have fun with it and like do it incrementally and learn how to cook. And you know, it doesn't have to be so extreme either way. Yeah, that's, um, that's very eloquently put. Uh, a lot of times when I'm watching this, uh, I, w I would think like, ah, oh, they're going, I mean, and I think you can agree. There's like, they'll go for the cheap laugh. Like, yeah. Oh, look at these fat kids. And like, you know what I mean? And it doesn't happen, uh, as much as it could. Um, but you know, just like the, it, here, here's a, you know, here's what I want to talk about. Like Disney, there's no secret that Disney live action movies, um, historically, um, tend to struggle, at least mm -hmm. in recent memory. Like, I guess there's really old timey ones that, you know, did pretty well, but Disney by and large is like, they rock it animated stuff. And then anytime they sort of branch out and do live action stuff, oftentimes it's met with, uh, you know, not a lot of positivity. Uh, John Carter comes to mind. Um, mm -hmm. that sort of uh, deal, the Lone Ranger, Tomorrowland. Um, tomorrow, I love Tomorrowland. We're gonna do that eventually on this show. Awesome. But then you know, for every for everything, there's a classic. Like I mean, people liked uh, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, at least enough to make like eighteen of them. Mm -hmm. uh, people like that sort of thing. And um, people also there's some gyms and they're like Mighty Ducks and whatnot. Um, but for the most part, I think Disney sort of figured out that like, well, if we just reboot our properties in live action, then people will really love them. And that's like sort of served them well. So this was definitely a different era and it was fun to watch because they just took chance in the chances in this movie that like, or more so just signed off on things in this movie that mm -hmm. they would not in a billion years now. Like the yeah. there's thing just on premise alone, Disney would not make this movie. No way, no chance. And not only Disney, I don't think anybody would touch it. Like it's just such a different 
different time like isn't it crazy how long ago 1995 is and the fact that this movie can like get made and like it's not only that it's a children's movie and like there is like i mean food is portrayed as addiction like and drugs in this movie you know what i mean like tony perkis is a sociopath like uh, to the point where he's like mentally and physically abusing children like Mm -hmm. and, and like it's just insane to me like and i love it i absolutely love it because holy shit why does this exist um partly because it comes from the minds of like two pretty comedic people and two sort of mainstays in hollywood uh the director is uh stephen brill are you familiar with his work because i know you are (laughs) is this the gentleman who also did mighty ducks he did do Mighty Ducks. Uh, Stephen Brill, he's directed some like high profile American comedy. So he did, uh, he directed Little Nicky. He directed Mr. Deeds. He directed Without a Paddle. He directed Drill Bit Taylor. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then some not so great comedies, uh, like Movie 43, uh, The Do Over, oh. Sandy Wexler. But either way, for better or worse, a lot of Sandler stuff. Um, as a screenwriter, he's also responsible for some of my favorites. Uh, the Mighty Ducks trilogy. I mean, Stephen Brill wrote, wrote the script for all three. Love those movies. Part of my inspiration to even do Bad Movie Brunch in the first place was the Mighty Ducks trilogy, because holy shit. Um, he also did Ready to Rumble, which is going to be another episode, but we'll get there. Um, but Stephen Brill is this kind of dude where uh, I just fell down a rabbit hole of this guy, and I'm like, what is this dude about? Uh, and he was uh, instrumental in this whole... Uh, there was a fanboy's dilemma uh, in 07, 08, where fans were lashing out because, like, Harvey Weinstein, America's Sweetheart, and uh, and uh, Stephen Brill, I guess, were, like, both going to work on, like, recutting and re-editing uh, and reshooting fanboys. And there was, like, a big will-they-won't-they they include, like, the cancer subplot. Um, and so there was, like, cuts of it where that was completely just not in the movie. And I fell down this rabbit hole of reading these, like, letters and emails back and forth between fans and Stephen Brill. Oh, man. Where, like, people were just basically just calling him, like, a cunt. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, I'm like, you're rude. You don't care about Star Wars and you hate the fans. And I'm a theater booking agent. I was going to get this in my theater, cause, but you're ruining it. And it's like, he's like, well, this movie hasn't come out, so you don't know if I'm ruining it, first of all. Second of all, if you want to have a trivia contest about Star Wars, I bet I'll put $5,000 on it and then donate it to a, to a, to a charity. <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like, I love the wars. How dare you think I don't love the wars? <laughs> seen, he's like, I've seen this trilogy hundreds of times in the theater alone. Like, it was just like such like a venomous exchange. And I'm like, cool, that's what we're dealing with. Heavyweight. <laughs> Just, oh, there's no rage like nerd rage. It's the best. And then, you know, uh, a little, I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Uh, do you know who co-wrote the screenplay, Katie? I believe a gentleman by the name of Judd Apatow. Yeah, who needs no introduction. Like mm-hmm. a pillar of American comedy, I would say. Like a dude who is a pioneer while also like a throwback to like the days of old in terms of like comedy, the guy who's like developed his own brand of comedy that has been like just increasingly like imitated in the past. I would say in the past few years, people all want to do the episode. I mean, he's so who else can get away with making a two hour and like 12 minute comedy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just insane. And it's not always for the best, but for God's sakes, like Jed Apatow is a voice and a voice to be reckoned with. And it's really interesting to see him as a co-write on a screenplay for a Disney movie about fat kids at a fat camp <laughs> like before like freaks and geeks, even like this is before freaks and geeks before undeclared before it is even directed a feature. It's just wild. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like the Apatow, the Apatow in it shows. Are you a big fan of his? 
I, I am. I, I do think that this, like, like once you know it, you can definitely see it because Apatow's early work, I think the main theme was outcasts finding each other and finding a family. Totally. Like with, again, Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared. Like that was like the whole through line through the early work of Apatow. And it, it's interesting that this is the starting place. And it's also interesting because in, in those cases as well, like with Freaks and Geeks and... I, I don't know why I keep saying the movies again, but but the, the joke is both on them, but also mostly on other people that are looking at them. So it's not just like, oh, I'm a geek and, you know, like you should make fun of me, but it's also like other people just don't get it. And that's also kind of a point with this movie too, is that Tony Perkis just does not get it. And one of my favorite moments is early on in his introduction. I know what it's going to be. <laughs> I know what it's going to be. <laughs> And he's like pointing all of them and he's like, you're going to be the next this person. And he points to Keenan Thompson because you're going to be the next rap star. And it's, it's just this, like, like the, it's a racist joke, but the joke isn't on Keenan Thompson. The joke is on Tony Perkis for being, you know, completely just not getting it. Or the next president of the United States, and he points to the British kid and he just really? does not get it. <laughs> Being an only child educated entirely by <laughs> private tutors. Yeah. I'm looking forward to interacting with children for the first time. Oh my God. So good. All right. So for the uninitiated, you want to skim this plot a little just to let oh, yeah, people sure. know what we're dealing with. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Basically to set the scene, this movie like moves and goes a lot of places in a short period of time. I mean, an hour 47 or something like that, a little long for this kind of movie, <laughs> but it really does like cover a lot of ground and stretch a lot of, um, you know, and so we got the beginning. We, we meet our main character, Jerry, uh, mm -hmm. Jerry Gardner, and he's a, 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 a husky kid. Uh, mm -hmm. It's also carp from Mighty Ducks one, the first of many continued Mighty Duck references and uh, from our old pal, Stephen Brill. Mm -hmm. Um, who does not return for D2 and D3. He's only in the first Mighty Ducks carp. <laughs> but um, we meet Jerry and the whole, like, I feel like the whole hook of this movie is Jerry's a loser and he's fat. Like it's the last, it's the last day of school. Time ticks off and like, he's not the cool kid. There's the jock making out the hot girl and Jerry's fat and misses his bus and has to run after it and he can't get it cause he's fat. And then he gets like almost mauled by a dog on the way home. And like he slaps down like a dollar at a lemonade stand and like <laughs> chugs the whole fucking jug. It's like but the girls are so shocked by are, him though. chugging this Ugh. lemonade, but like, I don't know. It's summer. Like if you haven't seen somebody jug a pitcher of lemonade, are you really in middle America? <laughs> Oh, look, I chug, uh, in, in, in rural Illinois, where I'm from, you chug a pitcher of lemonade at least every two to three hours. Because, <laughs> like, what else is there to do, you know? You gotta have the, <laughs> gotta have the sugar rush. Although I think this is, uh, he's from Long Island. Oh, oh yeah, you're right, you're the right. The reason I know that is because when he gets home to his dad, other America's sweetheart, Jeffrey Tambor, <laughs> uh, and his mom, and then there's also a stranger in his home, it's Tim, fucking Tim Blake Nelson. <laughs> who I guess is a representative of Camp Hope or something. Yeah, we don't house. ever see him again, right? No, never yeah, again. It's, it's really a weird, weird thing. It's a weird thing. And he's like, uh, hey, hey, Jerry, Islanders fan, huh? Team of the future, I always say. And he's like, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> just like, okay, so I get it. You're from Long Island. Good deal. Um, just like our friend Terrence. Shout out Terrence Murphy to Paul. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but basically it's like hey jerry we think you're fat and so we're gonna send you to this fat camp and jerry's like i don't want to go there but he's a kid so guess what you're going there like, yeah smash cut to him on the plane it's very pre 9 11 because exactly what i wrote exactly yeah. what i wrote but go ahead but because you like I, I don't feel like the unaccompanied minor program is as popular as it was once before then he even gets like the little wings which actually come to like it's a plant and payoff later but but it's it's interesting how casually people are just walking around the plane precisely what i said the fact mm-hmm. that like i'm sitting he's sitting on the plane and keenan thompson just pops up like hey and he's just like walking <laughs> through the aisleways and stuff i'm like well that sure as hell wouldn't happen if i saw if i saw a kid walking through the aisleways like back and forth and mm-hmm. like oh my god these t- keenan keenan and jerry look like two little terrorists and this <laughs> <laughs> they're plotting <laughs> Sweet small children. I, I think this is a very interesting introduction to what this movie is really going to be about in Keenan Thompson's character Roy, because mm-hmm. with the Aaron Schwartz character Jerry, you have this kind of like like you're right. It is it, at the beginning like it's kind of a shame and it's kind of the joke that he's fat. But then Roy comes out and he's like, "Oh, you going to fat camp?" And he's like, "No, I'm not." And he's like, "Again, Jerry's ashamed." He's like, "No, I'm not." And he's like, "Oh, okay." And he's like, "Why would you think that?" And Roy says, "Because you're fat." And he's like, "Well, so are you." And he's like, "I know." And it, it's more presented as a fact than something to be ashamed of. And it, it's kind of like the first step to this movie where it's, it's telling you, like, look, man, we're on the side of these kids. This is what this movie is going to be about. Yeah, totally. And it's like, like, we're with these guys now. So it's nice mm-hmm. to just like get that out of the way, I guess, like uh, the whole like, and the movie goes on to be, in my opinion, like problematic with the way it portrays the like uh, fatness. And I think it does use it for the joke a lot. And I think that's part of the reason it has bad reviews and stuff uh, from some people. Um, but in essence, the whole thing is like, we're a brotherhood of fat kids and like, we're cool with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're okay mm-hmm. that we're this way. And like, in many ways, it becomes like their identity. It's that's what they bond over. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so immediately, th- this movie is a lot of just like a lot at the beginning is just introductions because it's a pretty big cast. So like we meet Pat Finley uh, at the airport. He pulls up in the old Camp Hope bus, and Pat Finley, in my opinion, the more I watch it, is kind of just like future Jerry. Yeah. Like, even, oh even, yeah, that's even right. Looks alone, like they like they look like they could be like Pat's like his thirty year older like brother or like yeah. His dad, oh my like, gosh, that's so brilliant. And so yeah. it's like you have like that's why he's the perfect mentor the figure perfect because mentor, he's like yeah. clearly seeing him self as a younger kid oh that's so like, genius yeah, i'm you from the future like and that's why they i think that's why they bond so well because all the kids love pot like pat and they have a certain bond with them but jerry even in his first year i think quickly becomes pat's favorite mm-hmm. um and i know i mean the screenwriters can write whatever they want but it it, it comes through i think uh in the movie uh mostly because i think they both just see themselves in each other um yeah. and i don't know if that's as deep as they meant it but i mean i, I gotta assume when they're casting that flick they're like holy shit this is perfect because they look just like each other <laughs> <laughs> just two sweet sure. blonde chubby dudes mm-hmm. um and then we get to we meet all we meet all the crew like well mostly like a bunch of other fat kids hop on the bus and we're at fat camp and uh we go to the chipmunk bunk and it's like hey we've all been here for years and we're all veterans and we got a rookie and we meet a very important uh uh veteran of camp hope um Josh, right? Josh Birdbomb. The alpha chipmunk. The alpha chipmunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goldberg from Mighty Ducks. So mm-hmm. now we've got Carp from Mighty Ducks 1, Keenan from Mighty Ducks 2, two and 3, and then we've got Josh, who's Goldberg in Mighty Ducks 1, 2, and 3. I'm sitting there just like, all right. <laughs> quack, 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 quack. 
um kind of made me wish i was watching mighty ducks to be honest but <laughs> it, i feel like i should have studied like i should have watched mighty ducks before coming on this podcast because i've seen all of them but it's been such a long time that i'm just like i believe you i'm sure those oh. people were in those movies oh we'll go down that road when we get okay. there Katie. <laughs> cool. i love those movies so much um also we meet another like a, a few a couple important adult characters um another this movie just full of like interesting little like things like now that we're in 2018 and can see it because it's like uh we meet tim who's a camp veteran he's been counselor there and he's all skinny and everybody's giving shit for it for being skinny because he's like used to be fat and now he lost weight and they just like resent him for it they're like hey tim what happened you lose a baby (laughs) but it's all kind of good natured and stuff but but there is definitely a sense that he's sold out so to speak yeah it's like this ass he's wearing like a cut like there's yeah, nothing he's wearing like a 90s like uh, nothing more 1995 than this dude wearing <laughs> boots short shorts and a cut off carolina panthers jersey <laughs> like every every outfit in this movie made me want to cry it is so unbelievably like mid 90s it's beautiful <laughs> everything is so beautiful it's like how was any of this in vogue it's so mm-hmm. strange and i love it so much <laughs> like why don't people just dress like this anymore just like baggy as shit with like weird t-shirts with weird like i just everything man like i just just love that there was a time in our lives where like jorts were just like acceptable not only acceptable but like encouraged you know what i mean (laughs) like catch me catch me wearing a cut off vikings jersey like tomorrow just like just mid-drip showing (laughs) is that your job like with a copy like uh, oh definitely definitely uh, oh, but why that's interesting is it's Paul Feig. Yeah, so yeah. Paul, and like Paul Feig is, I mean, another man who needs no introduction is another like uh, offshoot of American fucking comedy. Uh, Freaks and Geeks was uh, as much his show as Judd Apatow's. And um, he went on to do tons of uh, great movies. A lot of Melissa McCarthy flicks. Uh, Paul Feig did um, Ghostbusters, I believe. Paul mm-hmm. Feig did Spy. Um, countless other like uh like big name very fi- oh uh bridesmaids for the god's sake mm-hmm. uh, also he's cameoed another judd apatow stuff they're obviously good pals it's just another little funny thing to see like in this movie pop up where it's like paul feig as an actor um mm-hmm. and just definitely one of the crew in 2018 i'm like there's another like comedic genius director i'm like we could have thrown this movie to like a few people on the cast and it would have turned out as good if not better honestly um so i thought that was super cool um, and of course, Keenan Thompson, seeing yeah, him. Keenan Thompson. I mean, without goes without saying. Like, yeah. I mean, my God. <laughs> like, it's just like that dude's been on SNL for 933 years. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a vampire. Um, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, so. He's been dead for 30 years. <laughs> so once we get to the chipmunk bunk and everything, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, how's the summer going to be? And everybody's like, oh, it's kind of, we're giving you shit, man. We're all a bunch of shit givers. And, and, and Jerry's like, hey, uh, just so you know, guys, uh, snuck in some oreos and he's like oh it's very sneaky of you and he's like chipmunks download and then it's just like <laughs> the most like troubling thing <laughs> like it is these kids. very troubling it is the first time where uh and the first of many i think it begins to sort of like through line and plants in the audience's mind the how like uh food and candy in this movie is uh akin to drugs hard mm-hmm. drugs like dude's got like a briefcase full of little baggies of like sweets does, and yeah. like, shit like that like uh he's like dude's like hey help me get these salamis off my back and they're like duct taped around him like he smuggled them on the plane or something yeah it's just like all this weird shit where it's like i mean like i said it's like it's like they're it's like they got like crack or something and they're just like fucking unpacking it and hiding it into all like the crevices of the bunk (laughs) 
And I, I've heard different things from people talking about this movie, some positive, some not so positive, but, but this kind of thing, although exaggerated, kind of rings true to my own experience. Because right around the, I, I didn't get big until I hit puberty. And then I got real big, real fast. And I did the thing where I would sneak food all the time. Like I would just go to the supermarket and then put a whole bunch of them, like gummy bears and stuff in my backpack and then just eat fistfuls of it later. So like this, I kind of recognize it like, oh yeah, this is just an exaggerated kind of thing of my own experience. And at the time you're like, oh, this makes me feel better. But eventually you realize that it doesn't do the trick so much anymore, much like drugs. Yeah, I mean, I've got two salamis duct taped to my back right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm saving them for later. Sam. Oh, also, I, I was going to save this for later, but RIP Salami Sam. Yeah, I saw that. A couple yeah. months ago, uh, it was like sort of a thing. I guess he was uh, from the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know the name of the actor? Can you look at it? Yes, I wrote it down. Give me one second. Uh, yeah. Joseph Wayne Miller. Yeah, RIP, man, because as a kid, uh, Salami Sam uh, gets lines in this movie, and he, like, it, as even as a kid, I always, that character always stood out to me. I thought he was always really funny. I thought he was cute, and he, he has, like, a couple lines in here that are really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, at the dance, he's like, I think she's looking at me. And, like, yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that, or just, like, the, the make way for Salami Sam, and he, like, dives in the water. The kid is funny, and it was really really sad when i heard that a few months ago so i i, I did want to put that in this episode um because it's just a sad thing you know especially yeah. at a young age he's not that much older than us honestly yeah i was 36 yeah it's just wild but, but uh very well by the crew it sounds like they all had like such a nice time on it this seems like it it I seems heard. like it yeah it seems like it was a real uh fun affair and you know it's got to be like you gotta like if you're making a movie like this i think it'd be easy for this to be depressing and i've heard that there are other cuts of this where certain things are are played to be far more depressing you know because uh it is serious subject matter um especially for uh a kid's movie you know what i mean so the inciting incident of the script is kind of the yes. Bushkins. So we meet the Bushkins and everything's going great. And we're at fat camp and everything's fine. And uh, isn't it Ben Stiller's like, all right, like in real life parents? Like, uh, I uh, don't know if that's his mom, but that's definitely his dad. Yeah, undoubtedly. Like, so it's pretty good. And they're like, uh, so bad news. Uh, we're bankrupt and uh, we don't own Camp Hope anymore. And everybody's like, what the fuck? We've just been telling this Jerry kid how awesome it's going to be. Like, yeah. what, are you, what are you doing to me? And um, in comes Tony Perkis. Mm, Give me, what are your feelings when we're introduced to Tony Perkis? Arguably one of the strongest introductions to, uh, to a character in recent memory for me, particularly a villain. <laughs> Tony Perkins comes out swinging like Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Like he has this bombastic presence <laughs> where instead of selling like how to pick up women, it's how to lose weight. And I, this is another interesting thing about this movie is that I think that there's, there's nothing more, there's no person more militant about weight loss than the formerly heavy who have now become fit. And I think he kind of is an exaggerated embodiment of that, but it's also that he clearly had such a dysfunctional childhood that just leaks out of all of his dialogue. So like immediately, like he talks about his father, Tony Perkis senior, the lighting, the lighting fixture king, the the lighting fixture king of (laughs) 
whatever. And uh, but he's like, I'm going to do old dad way prouder. And he's never interacted with like actual children. So he's, he's kind of like, he's trying, he thinks what he's doing is helping. So he doesn't understand how utterly selfish and deluded he really is. And that everybody around him hates him. Like when he runs through the crowd and he's trying to do the high five thing and nobody high fives him. It's one right at the end. And now it's like introduced Team Perkis and all these like super fit dudes. It's like sirens and like all this other shit. And he's just like, there's a life force in here tonight. Mm? Can you <laughs> smell it? The words are going to fly. Mm. And that is out of here, mister. <laughs> He goes, the lighting picture thing. He's like, all the lights you see around camp have been donated by my dad. But I'm going to do old dad one better. I'm not going to give you a light. I'm going to show you the light. <laughs> he is classic. Anything that dude says is a quote. This movie mm-hmm. is infinitely quotable. And I think that's another reason it sticks near and dear to my heart. Because if you've ever met me, and Katie, you have met me, all I, sure I like have. to do is quote like the handful of the same movies constantly until I'm blue in the face. And then I fall asleep. Um, and then I wake up and then I start quoting the same movies again. <laughs> that's like all I do. So this movie sticks out so well because Ben Stiller, Tony Perkis is like un fucking real <laughs> when it comes to like everything he says is gold it's like so the world's been flipped upside down you know what i mean so jerry's like yeah. i don't want to go here and now i'm here and i like it and then all too soon it's ripped away from me because now the psychopath has taken over this camp and everybody is horrified because it's like all about like fitness and like yada yada and that's not what i came for like it seemed like it was just going to be a chill summer where i could just honestly it was going to work out better than before i was going to just meet make new friends friends i probably didn't have before uh i'd get to be away from my parents and it's like it'd be a total like coming of age flick and i think there's a version of this movie where you don't do the whole like weight loss angle villain thing and you just do a fat camp all summer you know what i mean like and honestly i would love to see that that cut of it too because i could see that one actually getting made it's a little less problematic i think depending on like where you take the uh the 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 narrative thread um i have heard a review that this movie is really just two movies meshed together with the (laughs) with the ben stiller plot being one movie and of course the camp plot as you said being completely other different movie uh, so, so it is. It's interesting to think about like one without the other. There are two plots of, on top of each other in this movie. <laughs> there are positively two plots on top of each other in this movie, and one of them is like way less developed than the Ben Stiller one. So you have the Ben Stiller storyline, and then you get like throwaway lines about like camp MVP across the lake, and yeah. it's like, and it's like, oh, and well, uh, I seen a reason why we couldn't beat them in the Apache Relay at the end of the summer, and it's like, well, you planted that subtly, like yeah. it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, For sure. The way we kind of like move through here is uh, immediately things are fucked. Pat gets reassigned and we meet Lars, who is another iconic oh, character. I love Lars. Lars. Portrayed by Tom Hodges, fantastic mm-hmm. performance, who does not actually have that accent in real life. <laughs> <laughs> who does, really? But, uh... I am Lars. <laughs> I love okay. So I love that with Lars, they can't even say that he's German, although he's clearly German. I think that they were kind of towing the line on that one because it was beginning to get to a point where we couldn't just make fun of Germans anymore. Right, right. right. Someone said he's just from far away. Lars, what kind of name is that? Where are you from? Far away. (laughs) Yes. 
to me is such an interesting... He actually has an arc in this movie. Yeah, so which he, he, did, totally, he, he totally does. He totally didn't need to have, but he go, he does go from the extreme team Perkis to extreme team uh, um, Camp Hope in a very interesting kind of way, which we'll get into. Yeah, and he's like, oh, by the way, guys, I have a deviated septum. <laughs> I make a like, I make a horrible sound or whatever the fuck. He's like, do not be alarmed. I am fine. <laughs> and like, it gets, like the morning, and it is like the most repugnant noise like I've ever heard. Yeah. It sounds like a chainsaw mixed with like a fucking cat being run over or some shit. <laughs> it's God. so bad. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, so all in one night, this sucks. I'm like. So why don't you guys just go home? <laughs> Get out of there. You well, know what I mean? at least in Jerry's case, he can't because he was That's already true. kind of muscled into That's coming. That's true. Camp. That's a good point. And his parents would be like, no, you're making this up. And I think that's what you have to believe, especially as things get progressively more fucked in this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now here we are. This is the state of the summer. And uh, the first day is evaluation day. The keyword is value. Do you have any? Not yet. Like basically find out that like Tony has purchased this thing as an entrepreneur, like fitness, weight loss guru. And instead of these kids having like a nice summer, he's trying to turn into a late night infomercial that he can sell uh, to, to, you know, to get himself some loot, to make himself famous, whatever the hell. Um, and so these kids are literally now just pawns to be exploited in, in his overall plot. Because in Tony Perkins' mind, he's the main character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it, it's like he's he's an interesting villain because his villainy derives from narcissism, which is derived from clearly, as we find out later, that his dad just didn't hug him enough when he was a child. Yeah, he so he's freaking out like a big baby. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> so he's evil just to be evil. He's he's awful because he, for one thing, he genuinely believes in what he's selling, which makes him a much more terrifying villain than if he was just kind of you know awful. If Lex Luthor and BVS just wanted to make a late night infomercial, he'd be Tony Perkis. <laughs> <laughs> they're both daddy issues as hell. They're both like social, like uh, just freaks. Yeah, can't. I mean, although I would say that Tony Perkis is better at public speaking. Lex cannot. That's true. Yeah, Tony speaking. Perkis is uh, he's something of a performer and he's an actor and like he is really good about keeping his shit sometimes. Uh, yeah, uh, you, it involves. You do a backflip. Oh God! And like. <laughs> Now he's lining these poor kids up like cattle. You know what I mean? Uh, like they've yeah, got he got them in those weird like uh, you'll find your Lars is like you'll find your new p- team team Perkis uh, uniforms. Your families will be built automatically, and uh, <laughs> they're wearing like, these weird like leotards with like Perkis powered T-shirts and shit. And they're getting like taken before pictures and getting weighed and shit. It's re- and, like getting their measurements taken. It's really like it's like played to be upbeat music, but it is like sad to watch. It's, it's a huge bummer. And then, like, the humiliation just continues because not only are they being run ragged with, like, their diets, which, you know, and with uh, the exercise, but they also get uh, muscled into going on this dance. And they bring in this girls' camp from across the lake, and it's just meant just to humiliate these guys into losing yeah. weight. Yeah, totally. There's like cool. multiple things. Tony is constantly just picking things to because he thinks that's the angle. If I humiliate these kids and make them feel bad, then eventually they'll want to lose weight. I mean, I assume that's because he was raised up. God, this is a complex character. You're blowing yeah. my mind right now. Mm-hmm. Like, because he grew up, he grew up without positive reinforcement, and that's how he got to uh, attained his uh, spot in life was, um, you know, not by, uh, you know, pop 
by giving them hugs or anything like that. It was from, you know, people doing the opposite and that's how you motivate. And that is like scary to think about. You're kind of a genius right now and you're kind of blowing my mind. This Thank you. Like, it's also cyclical because as his father says, he didn't get hugged either. So it's just oh this God. like cycle of abuse. Oh, you're freaking me out, man. This is awesome. <laughs> what a, oh my, I will never watch this movie the same way again. Tony Perkis is a complex, sympathetic villain. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is happening? Okay. <laughs> I never knew this angle. I might just like, I'll just end the episode. <laughs> I mean, this movie's great. It's an allegory. I love it. Uh, but, uh, thankfully, the, the dance is saved by Tim, who yes. decides to like, he, he, takes, he takes a bullet for the team by humiliating himself, which allows the kids to feel more comfortable with dancing and the girls to feel more comfortable dancing. And eventually everybody has a good time, which of course Tony has to pull the plug on because nobody's allowed to have a good time because it, it doesn't go towards his goal of ultimately humiliating them to lose weight. Yeah, we get a nice bulimia joke from the girls' camp, which is nice. Yeah, that was really uh, dark. Cool. Where it's yeah. like, I don't get it. Why do these fat kids just lose weight? And she's like, why don't you show them how to throw up after meals like you do? And she's like, shut up. And I'm like, this oh, hey. that camp. Um, fucked up things. I kind of want to see that movie, too. Like, I kind of, you know what I mean? Like, oh, my God. That movie seems like an Apatow Freaks and Geeks drama. Like, good good Lord. Yeah, um, that, that'd be fun. I would like to see them more than uh, Camp MVP. Yeah, fuck Camp MVP, man. We saw Camp MVP before. It was called, uh, uh, punchline um <laughs> the bad guys from mighty ducks whoa they were <laughs> camp mvp is totally the hawks from from mighty ducks and also iceland from mighty ducks d2 mm-hmm. and also the varsity from mighty ducks d3 there's a theme love you steven brill um <laughs> <laughs> uh Speaking of Tim taking a bullet and bullets in general, uh, re- uh, there's a thing that happens where Tony goes in and like raids them of all the food they hid. Yeah, like tapping through, and he's like walking through. He's like, I don't enjoy this part of the job, and he's like cutting open a mattress with like a huge buck knife. Yeah, like, it's he's like really tapping intense. on like like wood to find hollow spots, and he's like pulls out a bunch of candy. He's like, Ooh, who wants to fess up to this treasure trove? Mm? And like all this crazy shit, and he's like, Look, I'm still your friend he's like come on give me a hug and like keaton is like um okay (laughs) and like he like hugs keaton and it's like weird and like kind of a sweet moment and then he like pats down his leg and then pulls out a pez dispenser from keaton's sock like it's a gun and the sound effects they use is unbelievable so he pulls the pez dispenser (laughs) rips it out and disarms it like a fucking gun and drops (laughs) all the pez on the floor and the sound effects they use are like bullets hitting the ground and then it smacks (laughs) back together and hands it to him it's unbelievable. It goes, Look like, looks like my man's packing. <laughs> it is like is the so second creepy. of not so like great kind of like, is Tony Perkis a racist? I, I think so. I think he's definitely a racist. Like he for sure is, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, again, rap the, artist. Uh, racist crack and the my man and all that. Like he, but again, the joke is on him. My man's like, packing. The joke is not on Keenan. And then, of course, uh, Josh has to, the alpha chipmunk, who's kind of like this very confident goofball, uh, has to rib. He he kind of, again, he's like, uh, like Jerry is being uh, questioned, like, who did this? Yeah. Rat rat somebody out. Whose candy is this? And Jerry can't do it. So Josh steps in, alpha chipmunk, and he's like, I know who did it. Seymour Butts. And <laughs> I, I don't know if like t- freaking Tony has ever seen The Simpsons or like what happened, but he's he's never heard that joke before. Who's Seymour Butts? Nobody's Seymour Butts than you, Uncle Tony. That's another <laughs> thing too. Okay, 
there, there's something very disconcerting about somebody calling themselves your uncle. I don't know why that is, but it's like, because uh, there are totally normal uncles living their awesome uncle lives in the world, but it's just when somebody who's not in your family, like, calls themselves, like, you can call somebody else your uncle, but if somebody calls themselves your uncle and they're not your uncle, there's something very uncomfortable about that. Yeah, it's like I'd say like uncles in the mainstream get a bad rap, like it's synonymous yeah. with diddling. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I don't think Tony Perkis uh, has that sort of ambition. I think Tony Perkis is probably no. asexual. Yeah, um, for sure. That's the way he comes off to me. But I want to. I'm glad we mentioned the Seymour Butts line because, like, so he, he does it and he humiliates Tony in front of everybody, and the whole crowd's laughing. And Josh wins the day, and he's like, "Oh, comedian, huh? Well, hey, I like comedians. Maybe I could book you on a tour." And like fade to white on Josh's face, and the next yeah. morning Josh is just gone. Like jo- Joshua, Joshua Birnbaum is no longer with us. His bed is now available, or like something <laughs> like that. But here's something I found out. So I'm kind of obsessed with this movie, and I fell down a rabbit hole last year of like it was probably like the 30th time I'd probably seen it all the way through, like in my adult life last year. And uh, that Seymour Butts line. Do you ever do you notice his mouth doesn't match? No. His mouth does not match to what he's saying. Like the whole like uh, Seymour Butts and that whole scene, neither of their mouths match. Uh, It's ADR. And I was like, why is that? And so I got on like, I found like a Reddit thread um, last year and then like found it again yesterday to reaffirm. Uh, So the original joke that was written, shot, and then like originally or uh, finally dubbed over in the final cut was uh, he goes, the the candy belonged to Peter Fitz. And uh, Tony's like, who's Peter Fitz? Who's Peter Fitz? And like, uh, Josh is like, well, anybody's Peter Fitz if you push hard enough. Ah, uh, And Disney draws the line there. They're like, hey, make bulimia jokes all you want. We don't care. But like. <laughs> and they, they do say wiener quite a bit, but like that one is a little far. Like, I'm glad they I went mean. with Seymour Butts. I mean, I think along with the Uncle Tony, like somebody like a, somebody at Disney would just like you was like. It sounds kind of rapey when he calls him Uncle Tony, huh? (laughs) So when Josh disappears, they all just kind of assume that he died or that he's homeless or things like that, which is so beautiful because that's exactly what kids would do in that situation is just go to the ultimate darkest place possible because that seems like a reasonable possibility. And of course, it turns out that he just got sent home for making a crack. That's not as uh, fun. That's not as fun. That's not as fun. So we do get to live in that kind of moment of like panic. And when he reemerges, he kind of plays off of this fear that he knew that they would have. But then it's just like, nah, he's just the alpha and he's just messing with them. Well, it's like a beat in a movie that is like furiously funny like this movie is like comedic genius just gold at times and one of the bits like at the like the day after josh is gone is like them like everybody's swapping different stories of what the of what like the, i'm just telling you what i heard and yeah. uh like yeah i heard he, i heard now his parents were so mad they wouldn't let him come home now he lives in the now he lives in central park on the bench with the guy with no legs and like stuff like that and there's like the lunch the creepy like lunch dude he's like on his elbows smoking a cigarette he's like sorry to hear about your little friend josh well um he's uh he's dead he's like uh just like all this shit and like everybody just like swapping the most like grandiose story possible and it is hilarious like absolutely hilarious i wonder like how many different takes and alts they use of different jokes and stuff because if i know like uh the sort of like apatowian like brand of humor i know he didn't direct it but like that's a dude who like sets records for most film use and stuff because he does so much like uh extra jokes and stuff like that so i bet you they had a field day with that shit 
And cannot be overstated how talented these kid actors are. Oh yeah! Oh uh, my gosh! They're God, they're so good. fantastic. The casting is really what makes this movie. So when jo- Josh makes a, a return, right? Yeah, um, his uh, lawyer father uh, stepped in and was like, "You can't." Which is interesting because like these guys are fantasizing about being on the outside, but Josh like even though he was and he talks about how good it was wanted to come back and i feel like again that's because inside the camp even if it's being run by this tyrant tony perkis he is the alpha and i don't think he is the alpha outside of the camp well it's it's sort of like it's it reminds me of like um like badass and like Millhall and uh and last detail you know what i mean like they're lifers you know what i mean and they're yeah. complaining oh, yeah, and they're, they, they don't like being in the navy and yada yada but they're like the navy's the best thing that ever happened to me and the mm-hmm. same could be said for uh chipmunks especially chipmunk legends like uh like josh who uh in that in this place i mean we've seen jerry's a snapshot of jerry's life and in the real world he's just this fat kid with no friends and he's the loser and the same could probably be said for somebody even as outgoing and cool is funny as josh like there's a there's a real world where like maybe i mean what eight eight to nine months out of the year josh is maybe just a loser and then he comes to he comes to camp hope and he's king you know what i mean but it is something of a plot hole that this kid's dad is a lawyer and like the whole thing is like they can't figure out how to stop tony like even later on like tim's like i've got a lawyer friend and like they check back in on them stuff he's like they don't have hard evidence i'm like dog you're so right yeah i'm just saying man like that's something i didn't realize so you just said it because i forgot Mm -hmm. like holy shit josh Save these kids' lives, you dick. <laughs> like, you know what like, I mean? Like, go undercover. Right. Or, like, get them to bring the Bushkins back, the original owner oh, yeah. or something. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, the Bushkins. Hell. Um, so... But, uh, like, while, and while Josh is gone, things are so fucked up. It's, like, another... Yeah, like, there's a lot of weird, yeah. like, montages and, like, uh, stuff like that where, like, Tony's, like, you'll all be doing this by Labor Day. And he's, like, laying on a bed of nails with, like, a, like a block of ice on his chest. And he's just, like, do it, do so it, Lars. And Lars is, like, it's my honor, Tony. And, like, smashes it with a sledgehammer. And he's, like, uh. they're, like, it's, like, at night and they're all surrounded by a fire and he's walking around, like, in all black. And he's, like, I know each and every one of you because I was you. And, like, while like all set to a montage of like josh like writing a letter to his grandma he's like people say war is hell they've never been to fat camp did i say (laughs) i meant jerry sorry sorry um but jerry yeah because he's like i'm writing to you because my parents don't care yeah that's true he's like i didn't send you to uh jet ski camp or whatever i did not send you to go-kart camp go-kart camp that's what it is america's sweetheart jeffrey tambor um (laughs) (laughs) uh but um it just gets like really scary really fast. Yeah. So Josh finally returns. It is like such a relief. You know what I mean? Like these kids are like, there's like that, let's get up. And they're chasing a cow with like a bat and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, oh my God, man. Like the implication is that it's going to turn very uh, Lord of the Flies. Attention campers. Lunch has been canceled today due to lack of. <laughs> That's probably my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> oh. So eventually they concoct a plan where they trap and kidnap Tony, essentially put him in this uh, constructed cage that's made of electrical mosquito trappings (laughs) and try to like starve him. I'm not sure exactly what he's definitely a prisoner. It's and they overrun the camp and they they have like this moment of like, this is great. We're going to be our best selves. He took away our candy and now we're going to take it back. And they have this utter, just hedonistic Dionysian binge fest where they like have a bonfire and Tim is covered and like, uh, 
chocolate and syrup marshmallows marshmallows laying on a pizza box and pat is like oh no this this isn't good either and uh he is gonna step in but of course he gets distracted by his love story which goes very little i mean it it plays out exactly how you would expect it's not terrible but it's not great it's not great but it pays off really well in my opinion yeah the, Um, the end Oh, it's so good. It's it's. We'll get there, but it's like it's maybe the best line of the movie. Maybe the best line of the movie. But yeah, he stays the floor with the nurse, and in the morning, everybody has uh, hangovers from candy and stuff like that. And that's when it comes in. The movie is like, here's the thing: you don't need to be crazy and Tony Perkison Perkison and like starve yourself or make yourself do crazy activities because that's an extreme. You also can't do this extreme of just overfeeding yourself because you don't feel good. Either way, it's not healthy. Neither of those things are good, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to go the midway. You're going to learn how to cook meals that you want to. Yeah. Probably in proportions that are healthier for you. You're going to learn how to, um, exercise in not so extreme ways. And this is like the actual life lesson. You may not lose weight and become super thin, but at least you'll feel better and be healthier. Right. Totally. He's just like, Hey guys, if we like set our mind to it and stuff, there's nothing we can accomplish. Like, let's be, let's find like a, like, let's like, we can eat, but eat better. And we can like not go to one extreme. Like you're right. It's actually like a really smart, pure thing. And Pat kind of takes the reins as like the, uh, the leader of the pack, uh, sort of like, cause again, he sees himself in them. He was that kid. And he's like, you know what? You don't have to be me. Like you can course correct right now. You know what I mean? Like I always wanted to be a winner, of course. And you know what? I never got to be, but why don't we start winning right now? You know what I mean? Like, Oh gosh. It's like Tony Perkis and Pat are like the mirror images of each other. Totally. Totally. Yeah. They're two, two, two sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. And like the reason like Tony or like the, like and there's like parts where you got to suspend your disbelief because yeah, it's like sure. because it's like so they, they find like that stump in the woods where everybody's hiding the candy and they all just gain so much weight again. And then like when they go to do weigh ins for the midpoint of like Tony's infomercial, it's like you gain nine pounds. Have you been cheating? And like it's yeah. like freaking out. <laughs> We have to talk about this real fast because we've got a glaze. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Just because, like, that's, like, the setup of, like, if you guys are cheating, guess what? Anybody who hasn't met their weight loss goal is going on a 20-mile hike with me tomorrow or whatever. But, like, he starts to freak the fuck out. And this is, like, such another, like, beautiful, like, um, like example of his, uh, his like, true personality and, like, psyche. Or just, like, starts, like, heavy breathing. And he just, like, turns around. And he's like, how you doing, little Tony? <laughs> Bad. And why are you feeling bad? Because everything's falling apart and there's nothing I can do about it. Like it's, it's there. It's it's not my fault. It's the, well, whose fault is it? It's their fault. It's their fault. You have failed and you will pay. Like it's just like so scary to see. Yeah, it, it's it's very psychological. It really says a lot about him. Yeah. And also during the whole candy like thing, they tie up the muscle bound guys yes. and they get Lars. And they basically coerce him into fear. They, like, put honey on him and said he's going to be eaten by bears. And he's like, you can be with us and not be eaten by bears or be with Tony and get eaten by bears. And, of course, he freaks out because, like, a deer comes over and he's, like, afraid of deer, apparently. And he goes completely the other way and he starts actually getting really involved in the camp and, like, becomes kind of, like, this positive kind of dude. I am with you. Yeah, I I'm- love you. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, it's like it is crazy because like they tie him up in the day and they come back at night. So they've got Tony locked in an electric fence jail cell because they trick him on that hike where he's being a total psycho. Yeah. Uh, like they even talk about maybe pushing him off the cliff and killing him. Like they they think yeah, about it's it. hardcore. And instead, like while the adults are like sitting with their dicks in their hands, like, well, my lawyer friend says they don't have a case and child services can't get here for a few weeks. Which what the fuck? But like, <laughs> okay, the nineties were a different time. Um, kids didn't matter in 1995 but um not only that but like the kids are like hey so we did our own thing and like when they see tony like in subjugation like behind like that electric fence and stuff like paul feig one of the best lines of the movie he goes you can't kidnap the owner of a camp they give people the chair for this kind of thing (laughs) (laughs) but of course tony is a dick and they're just like ah let him let him burn let let him rot yeah. Um, and then when they finally bring in the parents for Parents Day, they have a moment where they can actually be like, look, man, the now owner of the camp, Tony Perkins, is insane. And here's some exact, admittedly exaggerated. A propaganda video. Like, <laughs> it's really, really something. It's one thing to show the clips of things that really happen, like Tony being like a crazy, like iron fist, like leader. And there's other stuff that you can tell that like they filmed and filmed well, like cinematically, like the way they shot and stuff. Like, I'm like, well, where'd you guys get boom mics and stuff? Because like, there's like stuff of like them, like finding a rat and cutting it open and eating it. And there's like a PSA from like nurse Julie and like stuff like that. (laughs) He's like so fucked up. And Tony swindles his way out of the jail cell because Nicholas, that little Brit, it gets tricked Mm -hmm. by like a Hershey's kiss. Like Tony's like, You've been a great god, Nicholas. Strong. Strong and fair. Your, Your queen, queen would be proud. Would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to reward you by giving you this chocolate kiss. And like fucking he goes over and like Tony breaks out. And so like during the propaganda video where like with all the parents like watching, like horrified at what's been happening to their children. Mm-hmm. Like 40 feet in the air at the open window, Tony's just like sitting there, just like <laughs> clapping, like, ooh. So awesome. I, I think the villain was a bit over the top. And he like drops down on the floor, like from like 40 feet. <laughs> just like, ow. And he just like further portrays like what a psycho he's been. It's like, this is what's been happening all, all summer long. And he's just like, you can't stop me. I'm too motivated. And like, he's just and then like, he does like five backflips in a row, but then like messes up on the six. Eats shit into the wall. <laughs> he fucking jumps up onto a table, smashes a glass and walks over it. Then smashes a pitcher in front of it and walks over it. Like he's really just being fucking psycho. The dude is unbelievable. The performance is next level. Like, and again, it's just, it's, it's like, Hey, do you know in 2004 Dodgeball is going to come out because this is giving you a real taste? Here's the thing about that though. I and I've thought about this a lot and I think in many ways White Goodman uh carries a lot of uh things over from Tony Perkis. Uh certainly the whole like being overweight at one time and then losing it, certainly the the sort of fitness mentality, uh even the voice. Um but White Goodman's ambitions, I think, are far smaller uh, and like his scope is far like uh, more limited than Tony Perkis. I think White Goodman is is more of a, a kind of a, fo- a comedic foil, whereas like Tony Perkis is a sociopath. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it I think he takes it to an extreme that is like unprecedented in terms of Ben Stiller bit characters. I think that White Goodman is also quite a bit dumber. And oh, yeah. Yeah, also totally. Is his sexual. Yeah, and he's very sexual. Very, very sexual. sexual. With and you're right, Tony Perkins is very much asexual and just his whole thing is just success, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. And think, you know, as you keep mentioning, America's sweetheart uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Tambor, Tambor punches mm-hmm. him in the stomach 
to get him to stop being so crazy. And then you're like, oh, the movie's over, right? Because yeah. like, <laughs> because we finished the A plot and uh, the villain is dead. We're not dead, but vanquished essentially. And everything's cool now, right? And then they're like, oh, remember when we talked about the uh, Apache race with the MVPs? We got to do that now. And this is the point of the movie. Like, like I'm with this movie on a large front, but I do think it's weird how it's structured. It like, is- I, I feel like putting the MVP race after the Tony Perkis uh, vanquishing is is kind of a bad move because it's like it, it's like that Lord of the Rings multiple endings kind of thing. It's weird. It's super weird. Like, it's like this 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 script is like a Venn diagram. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there's just like two different ones, and in the middle they meet through like mutual like threads. But for the most part, it's kind of two different movies. And mm-hmm. like like when Tony Perkins Senior comes in to like save the day, and Tony's like hauled away, like in the like he's like, hey, nobody freak out, nobody call your lawyers, and it's like also played yeah. by Ben Stiller. <laughs> And that's the line we've been referencing where it's like, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't get hugged when I was a kid. You didn't see me freaking out like a big baby. And like, <laughs> and he's basically just like, well, I mean, uh, yeah, you all can go home. And he's like, well, if you want to stay, I mean, we just got to, you know, point a point a leader, you know, some for the insurance. <laughs> and Pat Finley gets to take the helm. He's been there for 18 years. And yeah, now we're at the Apache Relay. It's like, hey, remember that Apache Relay we talked about? Remember that uh, that baseball scrimmage or softball scrimmage where Camp MVP came over and kicked the shit out of you guys? Hey, remember those assholes that have been vandalizing your camp and, sw- and riding by on their boat telling you you suck accompanied by their fucking like uh, counselor and coach? Mm-hmm. So we get there and yeah it is weird and like some ways it works for me because in some ways you get to see the kids be triumphant and finally learn uh learn a little bit uh and finally be winners the whole through line with pat is like he never got to be a winner and now he wants to help these kids be winners and stuff but it does it is kind of too little too late in terms of a setup yeah and, um but i mean whatever <laughs> i just think it could have been done earlier like I'm, I'm totally fine with the apache relay i just think you should have done that first and then vanquish Tony or maybe Perkins. it's like a two-round thing so you like start the camp with like part one and then like or and like or you like you do the apache relay at the beginning of like the second act or something like that once you're into it and then you uh you like have them call like a rematch or something for the third act or something like that and then they win or something yeah. i don't know but like so now we're at it, whatever. Like Pat's appointed leader and like the parents, the parents at Parents Weekend are just like, cool. They're like, the parents of these tortured kids are like, yeah, stay. That sounds good. I, I mean, <laughs> I trust this cool. like, look, at, yeah. look at Pat Finley. He would never do this. He's fat. Look at him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we're at the Apache Relay. Camp Hope v. Camp MVP, Dawn of Justice. And my favorite thing about this is that they they have a bunch of different relays, like a regular race and things of that sort. And, you know, uh, Josh shaves a balloon, which he's which is planted earlier because he's able to shave his face. No problem. But the the thing that I love about this is Lars is dressed up like Andy Warhol. And it's just it's so awesome just on how on their side he is. And it's just great to see. He does. He totally switched sides. So like the jocks come in, the asshole jocks come in and they totally like they crush, they destroy in the uh, physical trials obviously but in the critical thinking department that's where the fat kids win because fat kids are smart did you know that (laughs) no but it is nice it is nice to see that like you know you know it's not everything just to be a jock it's a good lesson to learn and uh they they obviously get destroyed and that's where uh, camp mvp catch or camp hope catches up to camp mvp is the fact that like these idiots can't name like vice presidents or like anything like that like you know what i'm saying honestly neither can i i could do it you, you could do it. Yeah, I, do it. I would have to really think about it. 
Okay, I'm not gonna do it on air because I don't want to yeah, be. Yeah, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> <laughs> maybe I can't. Okay, <laughs> here I'm fat and stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life. Um, Animal House reference. Love it. <laughs> So we come. It comes down to the final countdown. We got the big go kart race that was kind of set up, and uh, mm-hmm. it's Jerry versus some asshole from Camp MVP, and uh, he's getting his ass kicked. And finally, in the last stretch, he gets to kick on the fans, and he flies over the kid. And Camp Hope wins, and we're winners. And they won the Apache Relay for the first time ever, and like yada yada. And those dicks from Camp MVP, especially the counselor, who just you know just means the world to him. He's like, uh, we're gonna apply for an official protest or like or whatever. He's like. Uh, you guys didn't earn that trophy, that cup. And Pat's like, oh, oh, you want this? Like, is this what your life's all about? And has like Sims, uh, one of the bigger kids, uh, toss it in the water. And they're just like, you're crazy. And they like dive in the water after the cup. And he's just like, yeah. Top five line of the movie. You bet I'm crazy. Crazy about my gal. And he like finally kisses nurse Julie. And that is a triumphant moment. Again, the, that subplot I do feel is like entirely unnecessary, but that is a triumphant moment. It really is unnecessary solid. and poorly developed, but she, I mean, on the page and in the movie, and for some odd reason, we don't know why, she really is into Pat the whole time. And he, she has been digging and hitting on Pat the whole time to a no avail, and it finally comes to fruition for the both of them. Pat gets to be a winner. Jerry gets to be a winner. The fat guys win. Fuck you, skinny people. I hate them. <laughs> Uh, and um, I eat two donuts for breakfast today, Katie, in five minutes. Okay. Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> um, and, you know, hey, Pat, thanks for the best damn summer of my life. Pretty sure the Disney Lovely. Channel kept those dams in the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, the movie's over. Did you stay for the credits? I did. And again, Lars is apparently going to come back next year. Just totally won over. Now one of the campers. Yeah. yeah. They got the nice Camp Hope song, which is fantastic. Oh, it's uh, Camp Hope, Camp Hope is the place for boys. We got no girls. We got no toys. <laughs> It's and like, at the very end, Tony Perkins is trying to hot crystals because, yep. like, of course he is. Post-credit scene before the MCU did it, baby, but after mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller did it, we get a total post-credit of like Tony Perkins going door to door selling uh, healing crystals and shit. It's genius. And then that's the flick. So, Katie, why is this a bad movie, quote unquote? Uh, I think. Again, I think a lot of the what, what comes back to it is that some people are uncomfortable with the jokes, the, the fat jokes and things like that. And it does kind of have that odd structure, as we mentioned, like putting that MVP race in such a long in such uh, like after when it seems like the main foe has been vanquished, the merging of two movies. I would say that's why it would be considered a bad movie. But honestly, I think it's a really good movie. I think a lot of the jokes really hold up. It's very quotable. A lot of the characters are very endearing. And, I, and I'm saying this as somebody who doesn't have a nostalgia hold to it. Right. So sure. I, I would highly recommend it for no, somebody to check too. out. And that's going to be a through line, especially on ones I pick for Bad Movie Brunch, is even if they're quote-unquote bad to some people, I probably think they're really, really, really good. And I do think Heavyweights, although um, problematic at times, although poorly structured at times, although uh, would never probably be made uh, in 2018, that's also some of the reasons why it's so good. And mm-hmm. like, that's like, because again, like something I'll fight for, for in film forever is like, you know, you can get, you know, 
a billion different like movies of kids doing the same old shit but then you get a movie that just stands out into something absolutely different and takes beats you're used to but then flips and flips them on its ear and uh portrays people we don't normally see groups of people we don't normally see portrayed on screen and uh you know it gives kids like that movie gave kids especially like a little chubby kid like me uh people to see on film and be like i get them i understand that i like sports too and stuff like that but i get that and i see them Mm -hmm. And I think the performances and some of the characters, Tony Perkins is iconic. Tony Perkins is iconic. He's, uh, he's an insanely well-developed uh, villain character. And the way you've portrayed me, even in the midst of just doing this episode, I'm kind of mind-blown. Like I said, I will never watch this the same way again because that dude – his issues run deep. And in my head now I can see the entire life of this young man. And like, I see what's mm-hmm. happened and I see what led him here. And I'm like, it's sad. And like a lot of this movie is sad. Like I said, there's cuts of the stuff where like the baseball scene is more depressing. I read and like stuff like that. But overall it's like, may I like to think maybe he changed for the better or maybe he just switched identities and then literally became white Goodman in dodgeball. That's a theory I read on, on Reddit. I did there's, too. There's yeah. an ongoing theory where he changed identities and like switched his like hair and stuff. And then he was white Goodman in dodgeball. And honestly, who's to say it's not. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good double feature. Another reference he did to like other Ben Stiller characters of the past. We've got his dad. Who's the lighter lighting fixture King. And then in Starsky and Hutch, do you know it very well? Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I do like one of his disguise bits. He's like, uh, I'm Maury, Maury Finkel, Finkel's lighting fixtures, number one light. Like he does the, oh, he does no it again. Way. Yeah, he does it again. Oh, and so like, he's always, he's always borrowing from his own shit. I love this movie. I'm cool with Stephen Brill. I love mm-hmm. Judd Apatow. Uh, and I, I love you, Katie. Honestly, <laughs> I love you too, dude. Oh, cool. All right. Also, pimp this we're on itunes now guys we are mm-hmm. on itunes that little podcast button on your iphone click it find bad movie brunch subscribe rate it five stars if you're not going to rate it five stars don't rate it soundcloud <laughs> bad movie brunch you can find us on there also find us on our blogs we're uh, badmoviebrunch.wordpress.com um you can find our stuff everywhere find us on facebook bad movie brunch like we're all we're all over the interweb now man so you don't really have an excuse not to listen if you're not listening what the fuck <laughs> And uh, also want to shout out personally, as we've never exactly done before, producer and engineer, the reason this podcast even exists outside of me and Katie's head is uh, Tom Hush. Yay! Master producer. He's a master baiter. He's a... (laughs) Scratch that. Tom, edit that out. You're a producer. (laughs) And and, uh, he's a fantastic individual. You can also listen to his podcast on uh, No Coast Cinema on WGN+. Plus. You can find that on Apple uh, Podcasts. You can find that on Facebook. Uh, pretty much anywhere else. You want to probably WGN+, Plus, like the website, right? And um, listen to him because he's a better podcaster than me. And uh, his show rocks. If you're interested in films, spe- uh, specifically Chicago film, that's a dude you should uh, check out. So thanks, Tom. Thanks for letting us do this every week. We love you. Thank you, Tom. Katie, do you know what we're doing next week? Or do you have an idea of what you want to do? I'd like to do Debs because it is Pride Month. Well, happy Pride Month, everybody. We'll see you next week. Signing off for Bad Movie Brunch. I've been Luke Taylor. And I've been Katie Grotzinger. All right. Camp Hope forever. Mm